Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Magnus Cider. It's for drinking, not bathing On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and how they influenced me growing up as a boy in 1980s Birmingham. I look at the songs today as well, see if my opinions have changed. Often they have. This week, I'm looking at The Evil That Men Do, which is track four on the seventh son of a seventh son album. Last week, I looked at Can I Play With Madness, and had some feedback on the show, as usual. I had several comments saying that they were a bit confused by Trevor, said he was a bit odd, maybe even worrying. Uh, So yeah, I'll probably address these with him when I speak to him later. I had a message from someone called Bashful, and they said they were pleased that I addressed the Mr Men link with Iron Maiden lyrics. It's, It's a weight off their mind to be able to talk about it to somebody. And he's looking forward to when I do the thin line between love and hate. Because in those lyrics, there's four Mr. Men, which is a record. So yeah, this is good. Although he goes on to say he's disappointed that they didn't call the song the skinny line between love and hate because there's a Mr. Skinner and this could have been five. So they missed a trick here, he says. Well, yeah, but there isn't a phrase called the skinny line, is there? It's the thin line. So don't want you on about there. But thanks for the information, uh, very nice. Anyway, The Evil That Men Do. The song's written by Smith, Harrison, Dickinson. This isn't good, is it? Because there's bad form here. Die With Your Boots On and Can I Play With Madness? Two songs I'd say are average at best. Let's see if this is any better. And we've already heard the intro to this song before it came out. It was sneakily put in Black Bart Blues, which was the B-side to Can I Play With Madness. There's some sort of warped version of it at the end. Here it is. So this was released in March 1988 on the single, but the album didn't come out until the month later. So whether anyone linked those sounds, I don't know. But here's the actual intro. I think it's a nice introduction. It's a bit slow, but it's still quite rock sounding, not like a cheesy ballad. And it sets you up nicely for the song, a bit like a theme tune for a hit TV series. We've got the cymbals rolling, the synths shining. Yeah, it's quite uplifting. Then it all kicks in, of course. It's got this searing guitar. And what I like is it doesn't quite follow the galloping bass. So there's quite a nice space between everything. first verse, Bruce sings with this menace, this edge. You can hear it in the tone of his voice. And the first four words are, love is a razor. And these are unusual words. Um, you don't really say it. Uh, I know a razor from shaving, of course. And Maybe that link means that love can cut you and it can be sharp. And if you're not careful, you can get a rash. Sadly, I've not had many close shaves with love and relationships. So I might have to ask Trevor about this later. Now it doesn't just stop when he says love is a razor. He carries on with the sentence and says love is a razor 
and I walk the line on that silver blade. This shows that Bruce is walking on a blade and it's dangerous. And it's sharper than one of those tightropes at Zippo's Circus that used to come to Stetsford Recreation Ground. I think a razor blade tightrope would have been impressive, but me and Trevor liked the tightrope walkers at Zippo's Circus. It was a good occasion. Uh, it's especially nice because the ringmaster had some agreement with my mum where we got free tickets, and they're always good ones, so we could enjoy it. Bruce isn't singing about Zippo's Circus, he's singing about love, and they're quite different. The next part of the verse is a bit more like Bruce, those lyrics he used to, where he's sort of a bit more clever maybe. He talks about sleeping with the daughter of the devil, and remember he's the seventh son, and he's being tempted by God and the devil to join them. It's quite nice, because even though Bruce knows that this daughter is bad, he still says, I will pray for you, and I will bleed for you. I thought this was quite romantic. When Fiona Gregory did something bad at school, which was out of character, I put my hand on the shoulder and I said, I will bleed for you. Which meant that I still had faith and I still loved her despite this. But obviously I didn't say this because I was too shy and too scared. So I just said, I will bleed for you. Which may have seemed a bit weird in hindsight. Luckily I didn't have a nosebleed as I said it, because that would have been quite awkward. Because I did get them now and again at that age. Although when I got back to my desk, I realised I had a greenie hanging from my nose. Which was probably worse. After the verse, we get probably the best section of the whole song, which is the bridge, or some people call it the pre-chorus now. It's just amazing. It's just repeating the same line, living on a razor's edge, balancing on a ledge, and it shows the dangerous choices being made. I used to like watching this live, because Bruce would balance on the monitors on stage and wobble a bit as he sang it. While he's saying this, the guitars are ace. That just sound really good. I believe it's called anthemic. So straight away, the song's brilliant. We haven't even got to the chorus yet. Basically, the line is, the evil that men do lives on and on. And what's especially nice is that Bruce makes that last on note go on and on. So that's clever, isn't it? And of course, we've got that galloping momentum in the background, which is now becoming a trademark of Iron Maiden. Sometimes, repeated lines can be a bit boring, but it isn't in this case. It's part of a quote from Julius Caesar, who I've mentioned before, I think it was in the Ides of March episode. I showed off my knowledge and said he was a character in a novel by William Shakespeare. And this is a quote from this, rather than anything that real Caesar might have said, and he lived before the Bible times. The actual quote says, the evil that men do lives after them. I'll probably mention the detail of the concept of the album, when I do the album review show, when I talk about the story of the seventh son more. But the phrase, the evil that men do, lives on and on, can relate to modern times. We've got hatred and violence. Uh, you know, look at the news. I think maybe it means humanity rather than men and not women. 
but you could look at it either way. Now you might expect me to go on and on about the evil that schoolmates did back in the late 1980s, the mullet jibes, the Star Wars figure incident, and all the times I got my set squares stolen. What are set squares? Every summer I got a geometry set for my birthday, ready for back to school, and it had a sort of protractor in it, a semicircle thing, a compass, and these set squares, there was two, they were like triangular rulers. I never knew what they were for, so I didn't care that they got stolen and thrown about the classroom. Luckily, the sharp edge didn't fly into somebody's eye, but it was close. February 1988. I had a letter back from the Sooty Show yesterday. They say they're happy for Nico to appear on the show and play drums with Sooty and Sweep. That'll be good exposure to a younger audience. It's nice to be considered for kids' TV after that incident with the Muppets. I think Bruce is a bit jealous, but I put my arm around him, gave him a pep talk, and reminded him that Sooty can't sing. We've got all our songs written now for the album, and I think Evil That Men Do will be our second single. It's pretty strong, that. It's a belter. And I'm looking forward to playing it live. Quite confident about these singles. Maybe I'll be like a seventh son and do a prediction and say they're all going to get in the top ten. Ha! <laughs> oh dear. Not to believe that, would they? Steve Harris's diary. Steve Harris's diary. Steve Harris's diary. Steve Harris's diary. The song was released as a single. It was released in August, which was a few months after the album had come out. So fans already had the song. So this probably meant it wouldn't do very well in the charts. However, it entered in the top 10, just like Can I Play With Madness? So this was brilliant. It got to number six. Then it went up to number five. And then it carried on in the top 10 for a third week before dropping out of the charts. It was a Yaz song at number one. This is a lady called Yaz and not the synth pop band called Yazoo who had to change their name to Yaz for an American audience. I think I heard Yannick say he was a fan of Yaz once in an interview, but I assumed that that was how he pronounced the word jazz, so I'm not actually quite sure. The artwork's very striking, as usual. Eddie's face is in like this sort of gassy smoke thing, and then above him there's this like familiar, this creature with bat wings made of lightning. And he's got a scroll. And there's this sort of man looking sad, trapped in Eddie's mouth with flames in front of him. Again, it's quite surreal, like in the previous single sleeve. And what's strange is, the Iron Maiden logo is sideways, so it's sort of running up the sleeve, so you have to tilt your head to read it. I don't think I've done this before. So yeah, so I quite like it. Um, it's sad that it's not been included in the new singles covers on the Trooper beer bottle tops. On the back of the sleeve is a band photograph, and there's a different one for the 7-inch, and a 12-inch single, so you could collect them both, although they're not very good pictures. The one on the 7-inch sees the band in quite embarrassing clothing. Both Adrian and Dave are wearing a full tracksuit. It's not a look that I'd recommend. It's a look I wanted to carry off in the 1980s, but I was 10 and not a grown man like Dave Murray and Adrian Smith. On the 12-inch, they're sat round a table, but they're not eating a roast dinner. They're just sitting there, in this posh sort of stately home with a coat of arms behind them. It's quite a nice old-fashioned table with old-fashioned chairs, but they just sat there 
looking a bit moody, except Dave, of course, who's sort of grinning a bit. And Dave's wearing the same tracksuit as in the seven-inch picture, but Adrian has been good and taken the top off. Maybe the whole tracksuit, because he's wearing jeans. But what's strange is, the whole image seems to be reversed. If you look at the writing at the bottom of the coat of arms, it's backwards, like a mirror. And then the Puma logo on Nico's jogging suit is also reversed. So why did they do this? I don't understand it. Maybe this is why Corky was confused with the fact that they wear watches on different wrists. Maybe some of the images from that era have been changed and mirrored. Maybe it was deliberate in this case. It's not like someone's reversed it on the internet by mistake. This is actually on the sleeve. There's a video for the song. It was quite good. It was mainly a live performance that they recorded in Inglewood. Um, so this was in June 1988. So there's a few teasers here, maybe even spoilers of the stage set for those fans who were going later in the tour. It was a bit like the Stranger in a Strange Land video where they'd obviously come on just to sort of mime to the song and the fans could go wild and the, the band could run about a bit. Yeah, the band looked quite fresh. Like they just come out of hair and makeup. Doesn't look like they've done half a set already. And you can see that Bruce has had his fringe cut by his mum. It looks like Adrian's had his hair dyed. It's quite blonde in this video. I mentioned it to Adrian when I met him at Christmas time. And here's his thoughts. Oh yeah, the evil that men do video, yes. Uh, oh, maybe I should say, hi, I'm Adrian Smith uh, for continuity because you may edit this bit out of the bit where I've already said, hi, I'm Adrian Smith. So, so I'll say it now, uh, if that's okay. Yeah, anyway, the, the video... Um, we were miming along to the song, of course, and uh, yeah, did my moves, uh, the the famous trademark one I had done in previous videos, uh, the guitar up at 11 o'clock. I was really getting into it. Uh, I, I liked the fact that the song was flowing nicely, and uh, it was really nice to be on stage doing it at the right tempo. And uh, yeah, you could see by my face, I was very happy, marching on through it, and uh, yeah, going well. And Sadly, it was about... Three quarters of the way through, I, I realised that we were miming, of course. It wasn't a live show, and that's why it was the right tempo. So you can perhaps see on my face at, at one point when I, I realised we're miming, and that sort of ruined it a bit. But uh, anyway, I think I, I got away with it, and uh, it was nice. I got a lot of the beginning of the video, because uh, you see the fan views at the beginning. They're coming into the show and hanging about the merchandise stand. I think it would have been nice to do a documentary like this from a fan's perspective. I think they probably realised that Depeche Mode did one of these at the time, so they didn't want to copy them because they had sort of run into them before, haven't they? One of the reasons why the song might have done so well as a single, even though it had already been released, was because of the B-sides on it. These were reworkings of older songs. We had Prowler 88 and Charlotte the Harlot 88. And these are old songs that I've covered before, of course, but the 88 means re-recorded in 1988. Now this sounds a great idea, because most people would expect them to sound better than they did eight years ago, because most people think that Bruce is a better singer than Paul Diana. Most people think more of Adrian Smith than Dennis Stratton. And again, most people think that Martin Birch's production surpasses that of Will Malone on the debut album. So this sounded great. However, listening to them now, I'm quite disappointed. You can hear the improvement in production in Prowler with that meatier, bigger intro. But then the howling guitar sound that was so fresh on the original, it just sounds a bit more polite and less exciting. I think because of the polish, there's a lack of energy 
and that initial enthusiasm that they would have had when they recorded it at the beginning of their career. It just sounds like they're not into it as much, and they're not stretching themselves, which is fair enough, because obviously they've progressed as musicians. And yeah, Bruce, I don't know, it sounds like it's a bit beneath him and he's not having to try too hard. When I hear the original version of Prowler in 1980, I can picture the era, the excitement that the fans must have had when they heard this fresh-sounding song. But it's not captured here. It sounds a bit laboured. And especially at the end, when there's that final repetition in the last verse, where Bruce is sort of playing about a bit with the vocal to make it sound a bit different so it isn't repetitive. I don't like this. In fact, I think it's almost disrespectful. In Charlotte the Harlot, it's a similar story. Uh, Even in the backing vocals on this, where they say Charlotte the Harlot, it just doesn't sound like there's any emotion. It's a bit sort of autopilot. And I miss Dennis's vocals here, even though I like Adrian's vocals normally. Just sounds a bit standard and pedestrian, although the breakdown's quite nice where it goes quiet. So overall, maybe a missed opportunity. I think a lot of people do like these versions. Maybe if you heard them first, you may prefer them over the originals, but I don't. So they're a curiosity ruler rather than anything essential. Uh, It's nice to hear them now and again, but after hearing them this time, I don't think I'll bother. I'm not sure why they chose these two songs to cover from the debut album, especially as they weren't in the live set. It might have been better if they'd done Killers because they were going to play that on the tour. But yeah, an interesting choice of songs. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring, see what he's been up to. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor, how are you doing? Yeah, I've been enjoying the weather. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it's been pretty sunny. Uh, can't complain. No, I've been sat in the garden, and there's my pants and a hat. Been in the paddling pool, eating Monster Munch. Okay, those statements lead me nicely on to some complaints I've had about you. What, again? Yeah, well, not complaints, just concern, I suppose. Um, some people have said your behaviour's been a bit odd, some of the things you've been saying. People are worried. Why? Well, I can't remember what I said now. What, do people think that saying I like Can I Play With Madness is controversial? No, I think they meant the poem, uh, or maybe the, the information on serials. No, I don't think so. I think it's good to talk about breakfast. People like it. We had photos of pastry sent in and porridge discussion. Yeah, well, okay, well, I think it was uh, the poem then, uh, about the bath. Well, okay, maybe that was strange, but the episode was about madness, so I think it fitted in. Okay, well, anyway, the evil that men do, how do you feel about that? Oh, yeah, I like it. I think all Iron Maiden fans like it. It's really good, great energy, gets you bobbing along. I used to jump up and down because I thought the lyric was bouncing on a ledge. This would have been good because it would have been another Mr. Matt. Mr. Bounce, um, but it wasn't. And it reminded me of when we used to jump on the windowsill and got told off. I don't remember this. When was that? A few years ago. A few? More like 30, I imagine. Jumping on a windowsill? Yeah. But it isn't that. It's balancing on a ledge. I know that now. Yeah, that's right. So, so you like the, the feel, the mood of the song and, and the meaning? Yeah, well, it's sad that evil has to live on, but that's the way of the world, isn't it? Um, You wonder why we are evil. It's better to be nice, isn't it? But then it takes strength to be gentle and kind. Maybe it's easier to be evil. Okay, well, I'm going to move on from there because I don't want to hear about any evil things you've done because it might just generate lots of hate and, and probably lose some listeners. Okay, anything else about it? Yeah, well, 
it's just a great song. I think it's maybe in the top ten of the 80s, if not the whole songbook. Um, you know, quote from Julius Caesar, of course. Oh, yeah. Shakespeare. Yeah. You mean allegedly Shakespeare? All right, you keep going on about it. Right, anyway, you're in a relationship. Yeah, love relationship. So, okay, thinking about the, the opening line, is love like a razor? He says love is a razor. Yeah, that's what I meant. Well, love is like a razor, what you said. That's a simile. And love is a razor is a metaphor, so it's important to clarify. All right, clever clogs. Well, I don't see my love for Pamela as razor-like. I suppose it's more like music. And when it hits you, you feel no pain. Is that a quote? Yeah, by Marley. What, Jacob Marley from The Muppet Christmas Carol? No, Bob Marley. Okay. Right, have you got a poem? Yeah, it's a short one. Okay. Evil that men do is always on the telly, and I don't like it. Right, is that it, really? Yeah. So what's that, then? It's a haiku. A what? A haiku. Well, whatever it is, it's your worst poem yet. It's official. I'm, I'm declaring it. So on the seventh series, these should be a lot better. I expect more. Well, this is a traditional Japanese form of poetry you're mocking. I don't care. Well, you know my poems are short, but these are even shorter, haikus, so you can get short poems that have to be epics and traditional. Shows the variety of poetry. Well, I don't like it, but why have you done this? It's like no effort. It is effort, because you have to fit to the rules. Anyway, I got a new book as a gift, a little book of haiku. What's that like? It's like a little book with haiku in it. Yeah, I can imagine that. Uh, I, can, I bet it is little. Let me guess, Pamela bought it, yeah? Yeah. Okay, I don't like what you're becoming. You've been won over by shiny gifts, special laminators and trinkets. Your poems are suffering. What are you saying? I'm not saying anything. Sounds like you're jealous. I'm not jealous. I don't want a special laminator. I've got one. No, you haven't. A special one? Well, how special can a laminator be? Okay, right, well, next week it's Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, so it's an epic song. I mean, yeah, okay, I don't want a ten-page poem, but I don't want a haiku either. Okay, I'll spend more time on it. Yeah, you will. So, yeah, if you could uh, make more effort next week, that'd be good. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Bye. Right, you can follow me on social media. at uh, Wayne Maiden on Twitter, uh, other places as well. Uh, so, yeah, The Evil That Men Do, it's uh, a great song, and a lot of fans would put it in the top ten, as Trevor mentioned. Uh, although it's actually the 11th most played song live. Um, but it's appeared on six live albums, which seems a bit much. And uh, under five minutes, which is good for a single. And good for Iron Maiden, because over recent albums, the song lengths have gone up a bit. Even though it's a short song, there's a good solo in it by Adrian. And uh, yeah, it's snappy, but stirring. A bit like the whole song. The song ends nicely as well, wraps it up and the side. And then Bruce does this Diano-esque yowl at the end. Diano-esque isn't in the dictionary, but it means, like Paul Diana. So you could use it in a sentence like, I saw some Diano-esque shorts in the shops yesterday. So this is where you get up and turn the record over and prepare yourself for the epic title track, which I'll cover next week. However, when you listen on a CD, or on Spotify, or wherever, you don't get this gap. And I think the gap between the evil that men do and Seventh Son of a Seventh Son 
It's too short. You don't get time to let what you've just heard sink in. And then the opening of Seventh Son starts too quickly in these conditions. I'd like more time to reflect on the evil that men do, which is an excellent song. Right, well, join me next week for Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, and I'll leave you with some evil that men do. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Oh,